I'm excited for the word this morning because, um, well, I'm always excited about the word of God because I believe the word of God is alive, it is active, it has power to change our lives. And so three weeks ago, for those who weren't here, Johannes spoke um, a phenomenal word about the bride of Christ. And he spoke about who is the bride of Christ, that we as born again believers are actually the bride of Christ. And the week thereafter, I felt the Lord wanted us to speak about faithfulness. Because when we enter into a covenant relationship, as the bride of Christ, we go into covenant relationship with Jesus, who is our bridegroom. But we know that in any marriage, in any covenant, and we spoke about a covenant is not a contract, our marriage is a covenant. And if two people get married, the, the first thing that we expect from one another is faithfulness. Amen. And so we said that Jesus, as the bridegroom, is always faithful to us, even if we are unfaithful. And so we spoke about that, I think it was two weeks ago. And so today I actually want to continue. I said, Johannes, again, I need six weeks per topic, because the word is just so incredible. There's so much we can say. But this morning, I just want to focus on our faithfulness. How are we as the bride going to be faithful to the bridegroom? Because Jesus said that he is actually coming back. Remember, he said to his disciples that I am going to where you cannot go. I am going to prepare a place for you. And so we know that Jesus spoke about eternity. He said that he was going to go and prepare a place for us in eternity. But there is something left for us to do as we await his return. I mean, it's not just a holiday by the beach, although that's incredible. You can see where my mind is at. But so let's just look at another definition of faithfulness. If you are following our notes, there's an app on your phone called YouVersion, the Bible app. And so we load the notes up there. They're usually there for seven days. But a tip that I found helpful, if you like to go back to the Word in the week after the sermon, you can just click Save in the top right-hand corner. If you're not sure, Essie will show you how that works. Okay. So we're going to start with a definition of faithfulness. <laughs> definition of faithfulness. It means that one is true to their word. That you are true to your promises, your vows, fidelity. Faithfulness means I am steady in allegiance, affection, loyal, constant, consistent, truthful, reliable, dependable. Everyone with a business who has employees working for them will love this idea. Who loves a faithful employee? Okay. Faithful volunteers. We have many of them. Truthful, reliable, dependable, trustworthy, believed, thorough, and diligent in the performance of duty. That's what faithfulness means. Faithfulness means sticking to something. Sticking to something even when we don't feel like it anymore. Even when we don't want to anymore. When the excitement has worn off. When it seems like doing the right thing is not working anymore. And there is no emotion attached to faithfulness, I've discovered. Faithfulness is not determined by what I feel. Many of us wake up in the morning and we don't feel like going to work. We don't feel like going to school. We don't feel. Well, our feelings is not a dictator of how to be faithful. Amen? So faithfulness, we see, is also a fruit of the Holy Spirit. 
The Greek word used in Galatians 5.29 speaks of the fruit of the spirit of faithfulness. And that word, paistes, I think I pronounced it incorrectly last time. At its root, it means to hold steady. It means to persevere, to hold fast. The the Afrikaans word is forhard. That's such a good way to to describe it. It means to forhard. Even in the days where it's not exciting anymore. I mean, I remember when we planted a church in Cape Town, everyone wanted to be part of the launch team. Everyone was excited. Everyone loves a new thing. Okay, everyone loves to hear the vision. Woohoo! Month two. Crick, crick, crick. Two volunteers. It's not exciting anymore. Because he listening. We all struggle with that sometimes. But the, the thing with faithfulness is that the Lord... <laughs> The Lord will taste our faithfulness. This is something that I think sometimes in the body of Christ, we can really miss the Lord big time because we are not paying attention to the tastes of faithfulness. And that's why my title this morning is The Taste of Faithfulness. Because I believe the word says that it will always be tasted. God is always faithful. We don't need to taste His faithfulness, but He needs to taste our faithfulness. As the bride. And I believe right now many of us are in a season, not just this time of year, but actually this particular year, where many of us are finding ourselves in a place where our faithfulness is being tested right now. I think all of our volunteers this morning, their faithfulness were tested. (laughs) Waking up early to get the coffee on, to move the seats, to prepare for children's church. But maybe you feel like that in your job or in your business. Maybe some of us feel like that in our marriage or in a relationship that we have or in our parenting. Maybe this year has really tested all of us on so many levels. And we can find ourselves in a test of faithfulness when it seems like we are doing the right thing over and over, but it doesn't seem like it's bearing fruit. It doesn't seem like We are getting the breakthrough that we are needing, like we're seeing the results that we want to see. And so the biggest temptation, and I think what the enemy would love for us to do during this test of faithfulness is to actually just decide to quit. I think sometimes we are tempted to quit, but actually we don't realize we are in a test of faithfulness. And if we will just persevere a little bit longer, if we will just continue One more time, two more times, three more times. And trust that God is actually busy testing our faithfulness. He is watching how we handle things. He is watching if we are trusting Him. I mean, who feels like that sometimes? Will you just struggle? Like, I feel like that. (laughs) I think all of us do. But the reality is, we cannot be promoted spiritually if we don't pass the tests of faithfulness. And what I've seen just in my short journey of serving the Lord since July 2008, when I really decided, okay, now I am making 180 degree repentance change. I am really decided now I'm going to follow Jesus, really. I'm not just going to talk about it or attend church. I'm going to change my life to follow Jesus. And I feel like God has given me this test of faithfulness over and over and over. I feel like I'm again in a, in a test of faithfulness right now. I think Johannes can be tested with faithfulness. Lord, 
Do we continue with the men's gathering if only one person shows up? Will we be faithful even if just one person comes to church? Will we be faithful or will we decide, well, Nian, this is not going to work and we just quit? I love that scripture that says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. And maybe you feel like that in your business or you feel like that in some other area of your life. And this may be a word for you this morning to persevere. Maybe you are in a test of faithfulness right now. We will struggle to see God's favor without passing a test of faithfulness. And the truth is, we cannot be entrusted with more of God's kingdom unless we pass the test of faithfulness in the little things. And so we're going to dig into the word this morning, but I want to read this scripture to you. Proverbs 20, verse 6. I love reading. Who loves reading the Proverbs? The Proverbs are awesome because they are sayings of wisdom. And sometimes we, I even hear people in the world quoted without even realizing that this actually came from the Bible. Have you ever heard people speak things and you're like, hey, that's a proverb, and they didn't even know it. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says this, Many a man proclaims his own loving kindness and goodness, but a faithful man... Who can find? And I believe faithfulness is actually a very, very rare quality in the body of Christ today. It's a rare quality. Why? Because it goes against everything of our flesh. For the most part, when we live carnal lives as Christians, we are driven by our flesh. We are driven by our feelings. We are driven by what we feel like today or what we don't feel like. And that's not how God's kingdom works. But the benefit when we persevere and the benefit when we push through when we don't feel like it and when we do the right thing even if we don't feel like it is that we will grow spiritually. We will get to a place where the Lord can say, hey, Jana is getrouw. Now I can entrust her with more. And that's what is so powerful about faithfulness. But why does the Lord require us to be faithful? If he's already faithful, why does he require us to be faithful in return? I believe, number one, it's because he actually entrusted everything on earth to us. We were given stewardship of everything on this earth for a purpose. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 2 says, stewards must be found trustworthy. So when I am a steward... I actually have a responsibility. And that responsibility is to be found trustworthy. I want, when the Lord looks at the earth, I want that one man to be a woman. <laughs> I want it to be me. Obviously, you want it to be you also. <laughs> but number two, God actually also will reward us for faithfulness because there is actually a life after this life. Okay, so we can do a whole series until 2030 about eternity. But I don't believe we speak about eternity enough in the church today. And that's actually when we talk about giving, we should talk about eternity. When we talk about anything really, the kingdom, we must talk about eternity. Because the reality is Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. This earth is a, this life on this earth is a vapor, the Bible says. 
Eternity is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. But sometimes we are so consumed with this little bit right here, this 80 years or however long you get to live, instead of eternity. And the reality is that this life is actually a dress rehearsal for eternity. How I steward things that has been entrusted to me in this life will be rewarded and will dictate how I spend eternity. I once heard a very sobering sermon by John Bevere. He's an American pastor, preacher, teacher, person. And he once taught about eternity and he said, you know, what you do with the cross on this earth determines where you will spend eternity. But how we live on earth and how we steward will determine how we spend eternity. That really hit me. And I realized, okay, I cannot live for myself here. I am not here for myself. If I want to be in eternity with Jesus forever, you know, I don't, I don't want to go into eternity and one day stand before Jesus and say, oh, I'm sorry, I actually did nothing on this earth. I'll still go to heaven. So we're not talking about heaven or hell, but we are talking about how will I spend eternity. And I don't know about you, but I want to hear the words, well done good and faithful servant. That is the aim of my heart. Because Jesus is coming back. Look at this scripture, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10. It says the following. It's really good. Listen to this. For we must all appear and be revealed as we are before the judgment seat of Christ. So that each one may receive his pay, that is his reward. So Jesus is coming back, and there will be a judgment seat of Christ. When you translate that word judgment seat, it talks about a bema seat. A bema seat is actually, you know when you have athletics, the girls who are in school. When you have athletics, and you run all your races, and at the end there's a huge prize giving. Now, this idea in the, in the Greek times when, you know, Scripture was written, they had these huge bema seats, very tall, almost like those, I imagine it, those kind of Wimbledon seats. You know, how, where the, um, what do you call the umpire, that's a donkey, where the umpire sits on top there and he's kind of, you know. So, you'll have that type of idea and there will be a prize giving. So, this is not talking about the judgment of who's going to heaven, who's going to hell. This is just for the believers. This is for you and I, son and daughter, born again believer. And Jesus is coming and he's going to do a reward ceremony. For what? For the Bible says here, so that each one may receive his pay, his reward, according to what he has done in the body, whether good or evil, considering what his purpose and motive have been and what he has achieved, what he has been busy with, and given himself and his attention to accomplishing. I want to read a different translation to you also. Because it's really powerful. But basically this is saying that Jesus is going to look at everything we had done on this earth. And if it had any eternal value. Anything that was described in the Bible as eternal value. That will be rewarded. Everything that was an eternal value will be burnt up. Ne? Everything that did not have eternal value 
will not be rewarded. But there are incredible rewards. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10. I just want to read it because this other translation said it so beautifully. It had a specific word in that I want. I think it's in the U version notes also. It says the following, For we believers will be called to account and must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or bad. That is, listen to this, each will be held responsible for his actions, purposes, goals, motives. We can do all the right things, but if we had the wrong motive, the Lord has no obligation to reward it. The use or misuse of his time. To me, that was like, okay, sure. The Lord will even ask us, how did we spend our time? The use or misuse of time, opportunities and abilities. What we do for the Lord today on this earth, how we spend our time, how we manage the resources entrusted to us, how we steward the people in our lives, our spouses, our children, our employees, our volunteers, you know, whoever is in your life, it will matter when Jesus comes back. It matters to him today. Everything that we do matters. Now, I want to read you this scripture this morning. It's a bit of a long one, but it's called the parable of talents. And this is talking about that idea of stewardship and being ready when Jesus comes back. And it's in Matthew 25, verse 14 to 30. Okay. If you've got your Bible, you can turn there. Sometimes it's easier to just read in your own Bible. Okay. So this is Jesus, and he's telling four parables in this passage, actually. Matthew 24, 25, 26. If you go and read, there's four parables that he's teaching about his coming and his going and the reasons why we have to be ready. So this is one of them, and it's called the parable of talents. And it says, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. For the one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. And he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five more talents. So also he who had the two talents, he made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. And now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled the accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward. Now he comes forward and he has to tell the master, okay, what did I do with the five talents? And the master said, oh, he said, master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five more. And verse 21 And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He was rewarded with more. He was entrusted with even more. And also he who had the two talents came forward saying, master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two more. And his master said to him again, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of the Lord. 
your master. <laughs> Verse 24. He who also had received the one talent came forward. Now listen to this response. Okay? It, it, it's a bit confronting. And it says, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. I was afraid. And so I, hid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sowed and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own, at least with interest, he says. The least you could have done was just invest the one talent. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. And to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And then it speaks about what he did with the servant. But that's a sobering piece of scripture, actually. And as I read about it, you know, we always say when we talk to our team or when we teach, you know, um, the word, we always say, remember that we don't read scripture in isolation. We always read the full account of scripture if we want to interpret properly what the word is saying to us. So we always say scripture interprets scripture. So what did Jesus say before he spoke this parable? When you go back to one chapter before Matthew 24, Jesus said, you must be ready because I am coming back. He told the disciples to be awake and to stay awake. Every time I read this, I think of my mom always when we used to be in high school, primary school. She would come into our rooms in the morning and go, wakey, wakey. Yes, and I would be like, Aquilina, wakker wordi. But Jesus is saying, wakey, wakey, church, it's time to be awake, and it's time to stay awake, because I am coming back. And we think we have lots of time, but if I listen to a lot of the prophetic voices around the world, and if we just look at the news, and you go and read a little bit of the end times, I'm not making a prophetic declaration this morning, but I am saying, whether Jesus comes back tomorrow or he comes back in 2050, I want to be ready. I cannot wait until 2050 to be ready. I mean, I need to be ready today. That's a scary thought. And so the talents in the Old Testament times, it was used to measure a weight. Some of, some of the scholars say that one talent was about 34 kilograms, and it represented money. But in the New Testament times, it also represented money, but the way that scholars interpret this passage was also for us, when we look at it, how is it relevant to us, it's not just money. What did that scripture in 2 Corinthians 5 say? Jesus will also look at, yes, how did we steward resources entrusted to us? But our time, the use or misuse of my time will be looked at. Jesus will look at the relationships, the people in my life. Jesus will look at the word that we received for this church. Also, our gifts, our abilities, our talents. Did we bury our talents or did we use them for the kingdom? Verse 15 in that parable said that he entrusted to each servant according to their ability. Okay? We all have a natural ability of some kind. 
And I think Johannes actually has on his heart to eventually, we'll see how we go into next year. But we want to do a whole series on the gifts. Now, there are three sets of gifts. The Bible speaks a lot about, a lot about different gifts. But I want to read three scriptures to you this morning about gifts. Because in this parable, Jesus was actually speaking about two concepts. He was speaking about stewardship, and he was speaking about faithfulness. And the other night when we were talking about this idea of faithfulness among our team, and we asked everyone, if I can give you one word to describe faithfulness to me, what would it be? And we had all these different words that, you know, we just read in, a, in the definition. But the one word that I heard from someone else who was actually teaching on this parable he said the one word he's never heard people speak about when we speak about faithfulness is the word multiplication. This parable is teaching that what we have received, we must multiply. And in order for it to be multiplied, it has to be used. We have to decide to do something, amen? And everything we receive from the Lord comes in seed form. This is a spiritual principle. We often talk about it in giving, but really it's, it's a principle that we can apply in every area of life. If the Lord gives us something in seed form, I think sometimes we don't end up growing our seed and multiplying the seed because we are expecting a tree. Nee? Isn't that true sometimes? I've been there with the Lord. You know, maybe we expected a church of a thousand people. We didn't really expect a thousand people, but just say we had. Now, I would not maybe continue because my expectation is a 1,000 people and the Lord sends me 20. And he says, will you be faithful with 20? Because then it will grow to a 1,000. But the question is, what am I doing with the seed that I have received? Or is it too small for me? I believe sometimes we look at people around us and we look at their orchard and we think, well, how come I didn't get an orchard? I just got one seed. But maybe that person also received one seed. He actually just grew it. He used it. And he was faithful with it. And God gave more. Amen. So quickly, we are already, <laughs> where are we? There's three things that the Lord really taught me about faithfulness and that he's still teaching me every single day about faithfulness, that I want to encourage you this morning. So this is an encouraging word, an exhortation this morning, to encourage you to be faithful, even if you feel that you only have a little. To encourage you to be faithful and to persevere, even if you are tired and you don't feel like it anymore, or you don't see the results anymore. So I want to encourage your hearts this morning. Number one, God has taught me that we must be faithful stewards of what has been entrusted to us, and we must multiply it. That is what we will give account for. I will not give account for how Johannes has done with his gifts and his abilities and his time. God will ask Johannes for that. He has to give account for his own time. I may like to give input. <laughs> He's a very good steward. He is a very good steward. But God's not going to ask for my opinion about everyone else. He's going to ask me about my time. He's going to ask me about my gifts. Amen? And so I want to encourage us 
the Bible speaks about redemptive gifts. And what I actually think I would love to do, because many times when we speak about the gifts and the abilities we have, many people don't even know what their gifts are. Yeah, I've been there. And it took me a while to figure out what they were. Because I don't think they were really showing when I was in primary school before I met the Lord. I didn't even open my mouth. But I want to read to you Romans 12, verse 6 to 8. This is a passage that speaks about the redemptive gifts. And the Bible says that these are the gifts that we are born with. In other words, this is something that is irrevocable. God gives it. You are born with it. It's in your personality. It's in your DNA. It's who you are. You know, the question is just, will I apply it to the kingdom or to the world? And these gifts are given by the Father. Okay? So it says, in His grace... God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. Verse 7, if your gift is serving others, then serve them well. If you are a teacher, then teach well. Verse 8, if your gift is to encourage others, then be an encourager. If it is giving, then give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, Take the responsibility serious. Be a good leader. Amen? And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, then do it gladly. These are called the redemptive gifts. And, you know, there's a lot of tests. We can also send you tests. You can fill it in online. Sometimes some people do, you know, in a corporate environment, you can do disk profiles and, you know, all these different things. That can give you a good indication if you don't know, what am I really good at? What am I naturally wired at? You know, some people are really intelligent. They understand structure. They can easily walk into chaos and they can just like that, they can sort things out. Well, they may have a gift for that. Don't freak out if that's not your natural ability. <laughs> Call me, I'll help. <laughs> I love being organized. But there's also other scriptures that speak about music, that speak about art, that speak about the gift of organization, of administration, of hospitality. Some people are just naturally gifted as being, uh, you know, being hospitable. You come to their house and it looks like they've catered for you in like a five-star hotel. They probably have a gift of hospitality. Okay. And I want to encourage you, don't focus on your weaknesses. Focus on your strengths. I remember being in a corporate environment and we used to have those corporate reviews. And I would always have my boss tell me, these are your strengths and these are your weaknesses. And then my performance goals were to improve my weaknesses. And I always used to struggle with that idea. Why do I need to improve my weaknesses? I believe I should actually focus on my strengths and get even stronger in my strengths. Find my sweet spot. Find the place where God has called me, my place in the body. When you worry about your weaknesses, nee? yes, you know, there are areas to work on. But focus on your strengths, amen. God wants to use it. He will anoint your strengths. And in your weakness, he is strong. Okay. So, there's also a second paragraph about spiritual gifts. Okay. It speaks about, I don't think, do we have that in there? 1 Corinthians 12. Okay, let's read that as well. 1 Corinthians 12. Now, these are the gifts Spiritual gifts given by the Holy Spirit. These gifts come when I become a born-again believer. So these are the gifts that the Lord gives, the Holy Spirit gives, so we can minister to each other. 
There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works in all of them, in all men. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Amen? So there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. So that is words of knowledge. In other words, I talk to you, and suddenly I have a supernatural word of knowledge, of information that previously there is no natural way that I was able to know that. Words of wisdom, in other words, maybe I'm in an opportunity where I talk with someone and suddenly I just get this crazy word of wisdom that solves the problem right there and then. It's a supernatural ability by the Holy Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit and to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers, in Afrikaans we say werking van krachten, bonatierlijke wonenwerken. To another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits. That is, in other words, when I am in moving in the Holy Spirit and I can discern between the natural realm and the spiritual realm. To another, yeah, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and to another the interpretation of tongues. And all these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He, who is He? Holy Spirit, gives them as He determines. And then, I don't have this on the screen, but maybe it is on you version. Then there is the gifts to the church that Jesus gives. I am making a distinction between these because sometimes I think we get a little bit confused with how they work. So, in Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 13, this describes the gifts that Jesus gave to the church. And normally people will speak about the fivefold ministry. If you've ever heard the word fivefold, okay, the fivefold doesn't that word doesn't occur in Scripture, but this is what it is based on in this Scripture. And it says, these are the gifts, and I don't have that. These are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. So who gives this to the church? Jesus. Okay? The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. And this will continue until we all come into such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Okay, so, you know, as we go along, we will talk more about these. We will do equipping. A lot of our courses are going to focus on equipping, finding out where is my sweet spot? Where is my gift? What has God called me to do in the body? Amen. And for me, I remember the best way that I found out, I did a lot of those disc profiles, you know, the color profiles. I did all of those things. But the moment I started serving in church, the moment I started serving in church, something else came up out of me. And my leaders started recognizing that. And I didn't start on a platform. I didn't start with a microphone. And you know what? You will actually never graduate any of these roles. Packing chairs, you know, cleaning the bathrooms, making coffee, you know, making sure Johannes has water when he preaches. Whatever. That kind of stuff, when you start serving in the body of Christ, people will start to recognize what is natural about Johannes' life or what is supernatural about his life. What is he good in? Okay? I will look at Talita and I will start seeing, man, this girl is an intercessor. She has got a gift of really reaching heaven with her prayers. 
But sometimes it's very hard for us as leaders to equip people if people are not here, if people are not part of things, if they are not serving, if they are not starting somewhere, you know? And so it's not just in church, though. But all of these gifts were given for the benefit of multiplying the kingdom. That is what they all have in common. So how will we multiply our gifts? How will we use our gifts to bless others? How will we position ourselves, number one, to find out what our gifts are? Because here's the reality for me. I remember never being satisfied in a corporate role. Never. Okay? I went to study public relations after school because I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I had no idea what my gifts or natural abilities were. I mean, I knew that I could maybe write a little bit, but, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like it was... I could not uitgeblink op school in, like, one particular area. Some of us feel like that. And I remember just when I gave my heart to the Lord, that's when things started to change. And the moment I gave my heart to the Lord, I started serving. Someone pulled me in. I was forced. It was forced serving. But I'm so grateful for them right now. Because I didn't want to go. I didn't like talking to people. And the first role they put me in was talking to the new people. You know, when you have to make awkward small talk. Now, at that time, I didn't actually want to open my mouth. I would go and sit right at the back. All these friendly people, volunteers actually annoyed me. I didn't want to talk to them. I didn't want them to talk to me because there would be four of them, you know, wanting to talk to me. How are you? How was your week? I found it quite overwhelming at first. But you know what? I decided that actually this is something that I've never tried. Maybe I should do it. And actually, this was a German lady. She was my cell group leader, and she didn't give me any choice. She forced me. She called me if I wasn't there. And so just to kind of get her off my back, I actually went. And you know what? I started to enjoy it. And my job was just to chat to the new person at church every single week. And then they put me on the events team, and my job was to clean the bins before and after the service. It was to print out the run sheets. It was to make sure that the mics had batteries. And it was to make sure that the toilets were clean. And then the one day, it started raining, and we were in the town hall in Somerset West, and the entire bathroom, ladies' bathroom, started flooding. And all of us girls were in our heels, and we had to mop for two hours to clean the toilets. Didn't even see worship, hear worship, wasn't even in the service. And I remember my leader coming and she said, welcome to the ministry. <laughs> and you know what? It was hectic, but I loved it. And the Lord started little by little. It wasn't the area that I wanted to serve in. It wasn't the place where I thought, hey, you know, mopping, that's my sweet spot. But it was a place to start. Actually, I do love cleaning. Ask your honors. <laughs> um, but I didn't want to to do, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to serve behind the scenes. And that's the second point that I want to make. Faithfulness is tested with the little first. It's tested with the little first. Sometimes the Lord will provide a platform for us to prove our faithfulness. Will we be faithful when we are asked to serve in an area that you think, oh my word, what difference is it going to make to make the coffee? What difference is it going to make, even in your job? I remember 
getting an opportunity to serve in a ministry that I really trusted the Lord for for years. After six years, I finally, the Lord released me from the corporate world. I had to wait. I had to be faithful. I had to serve all the ungodly people in the corporate world with a Christ-like attitude because our attitude will also be tested. I wanted the Lord to release me from ministry immediately, and instead he let me grow for another six years. Another six years because he was testing my attitude. He was testing how I was handling what I was given because I was given a leadership position in this role. And the Lord actually used that time for me to minister to many Muslim women. We started a prayer chain in this corporate environment. And actually last week, it's been years now, last week I got a message from one of the ladies that I started ministering to in that time and she reached out for prayer all these years later. But will we be faithful when the Lord gives us a position that seems a little bit unimportant? Or a position that maybe no one sees or applauds us when we are doing it? Or do we just straight want to go for the platform? Platform meaning whatever that platform is. It might be a leadership position. It might be, you know, whatever that is for you. The big business. The big break. And the Lord says, well, how are you handling this little thing that I'm giving you now? Because if you are faithful, I will increase it. If you are faithful, I will entrust you with more. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. I remember as I was serving in a women's conference, and I always share this with our children's church volunteers, because sometimes when you go and serve in children's church, you feel like you're missing out on big church. And what we've realized and what people have always said to us is that sometimes the Lord does more ministering to you in the kids' church than he would have done in the big church. Don't underestimate where the Lord prepares us, where he teaches us, where he ministers to us, where we see miracles happening. We always think it needs to be in the auditorium. And I'm, I'm using the church as context, but, you know, you can apply it to the business world or to your family or to whatever situation you're finding yourself in. And I remember we had this women's conference, 5,000 women per conference. We did two conferences in Cape Town, Christian conference. Everyone was serving there, and, you know, you put your hand up. You pay to attend the conference, but then you serve at the conference. And I got so excited because this year my favorite speaker from the USA was there, and I was, like, so ready to hear the word of the Lord that she was bringing from America, and I was so expectant. And I was assigned the role of the clicker. You know those silver clickers that you count people with? My job was to stand at one of the back entrances, nowhere near where I could hear this lady speak, and I had to count 5,000 women for two days for conference one, and then conference two came. And I remember being so disappointed with the Lord, and I was like, Lord, for what I felt the Lord wanted me to go, I needed to hear her word. Her word was going to equip me for where I needed to go, for where I felt like the Lord wanted to prepare me. And I remember standing backstage, and I was looking at this crowd of 5,000 women. I remember the Lord saying to me, do you not think that I will equip you where you are at? Do you not think that you will learn more serving behind the scenes if you want to be a leader later? Because all leaders have to be servants. And I remember being so convicted by that. And I was like, Lord, I will click away. <laughs> Your dime later stock stuff. 
But that was a test of my faithfulness. Am I willing to serve behind the scenes where no one applauds or tell you how awesome your clicking was? In fact, there was only like, are you sure that's the right count? (laughs) Will we be faithful in our commitments? Will we keep our word? You know, something that I really struggle with is when someone tells me yes and then they tell me no. But we all do it. Because maybe we overcommit ourselves sometimes. Maybe some of us need to ask the Lord, Lord, where do I actually need to be committed? Maybe you're so busy you can't serve a church and the Lord is saying, actually, I need you to be at a different place. Or other way around. We need to hear the Lord's voice to know when not to quit and when it is a test for our faithfulness. Psalm 105 verse 19. And we're almost done. It says, until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tasted Joseph's character. He will taste our character. Don't think that we will be promoted without tasting. And God is so faithful. He will give us the same taste over and over and over. Maybe at at this church you were like, nyeh. They don't want to give me opportunity. I'm going to the next one. And you'll get the same taste over and over and over until we pass it. Amen. Number three, and this is my last point as we come to a close. Faithfulness will always be rewarded. Faithfulness will always be rewarded. These servants in this parable were found faithful in their talents that multiplied. And they were made rulers over much. They were given promotion. They were given increase. They were given favor and blessing. There was Joseph's example. In Genesis, he had a dream that his brothers would one day bow down to him. He would be in a position of um, leadership. His brothers were jealous. They sold him to human traffickers from Egypt. He became a slave in Egypt. He got falsely accused. He was in prison, out of prison, in prison. But he remained faithful for over 13 years, even in a place of slavery, even in a place where he thought the Lord had completely deserted him. How unfair, how ridiculous. And the Lord was faithful, and he was, after 13 years of trial, he was promoted from sweeping the palace to ruling the palace. There was Ruth. Ruth was a lady, her mother-in-law, both her sons had died, Ruth's husband had died. The other daughter-in-law went, and Ruth said, I will stay with you, Naomi. I will be faithful to you. And she remained faithful. She said, your God will be my God. And she ended up getting favor with Boaz, who was the richest man in town. He gave her protection, provision, food. She ended up marrying him. And she was rewarded by being a Gentile woman in the lineage of Jesus. Her great-grandson was King David. All because of her faithfulness. Last example, Matthias. He was one of the disciples. And the Bible speaks in Acts 1. It speaks about how they were wanting to replace Judas. He betrayed Jesus, he hung himself, and they needed a 12th apostle. And the criteria was, they needed someone who accompanied us all the time the Lord was with us. They were looking for someone who was faithful. They were not looking for the most talented guy to be an apostle, the most gifted, with the most money, with the most influence. They were looking for someone who was there. 
every day that Jesus was with them. Every day. They were looking for someone who witnessed everything that Jesus did. And I want to encourage some people this morning. Your presence matters. We tell our team this all the time. Don't skip on things. Yes, sometimes life happens. That's okay. But presence matters. We can be promoted just because we are there. Faithful, day in, day out. Feel like it, don't feel like it. Want to, don't want to. Summer, winter, herfst, lente. Faithful, faithful, faithful. And I want to end off this morning, and the team can just put my klavierki on. There's a scripture in Revelation 22, and it's the last one I want to end off, and I'm going to pray for us. Revelation 22. I can just read it. It's fine. It says the following. It says, Behold, I, Jesus, am coming quickly. And my reward is with me to give to each one according to the merit of his or her deeds, their earthly works and faithfulness. That's the amplified version. And I want you to close your eyes this morning as we just come to the end of our service. And I just feel led to pray for some people this morning. This message was really to encourage us to encourage us that we do have time. Probably not a lot. Not a lot, not as much as we think. But we have time. Number one, the first group of people that I want to pray with is, you know, Jesus spoke about the rewards. I'm coming back to reward my people for what they've done. Those good works that you do that no one sees. That you are not seeking the applause of men. You are not seeking the recognition of men. The cup of water you give to that poor person on the street. The meal that you buy. Johannes always sees the hungry people. Pick and buy checkers everywhere we go. Someone has to get food. Every time he buys, and he doesn't tell people about it. I know because I see it. He doesn't tell people about it. Jesus is going to reward that. We need to live our lives so we have reward in heaven because that is how we will spend eternity. Did you know in eternity that there will be positions available? In eternity, there is authority available. There is jobs that we will have to do. We will reign with Christ forever. The Bible speaks of all sorts of different rewards. It speaks of crowns, a crown of righteousness, a crown of joy and gladness, the crown of life. We spoke about the martyrs. Those believers who are losing their lives for Christ will receive the crown of life forevermore. They will be exalted in eternity. The Bible speaks of shepherds and pastors. It says that they will receive a crown of glory if they are faithful in shepherding the sheep. There's authority, there's positions, there's heavenly riches, there's heavenly jewels, there's heavenly bodies and manna hidden on the tree of life. All these different things. You can do a whole study on that. But I believe the biggest reward, it's good to be aware of the rewards, but the biggest reward 
I believe is Jesus himself. I believe if we can position ourselves that, Lord, I am being faithful even if you don't bring a reward, but just because you are the reward. And this morning, I just want us to close our eyes and I want to pray with some people this morning. If you are sitting in this room, just close your eyes so we can give everyone some privacy. Let's pray together for our brothers and sisters. If you are here this morning and you have never ever received the reward of being a child of God, you've never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you've never made an actual commitment that you will follow Him wholeheartedly. Is there anyone like that here this morning? You can just gently raise your hand. I'm not going to call you out. We're just going to pray with you together. And Johannes and I want to give you a gift at the end of the service. If there is anyone here, you can just gently raise your hand. Now is the time. There is an eternal life. Heaven and hell are real. And we are not born, born again believers. We are not born into the kingdom with our physical birth. We have to make a decision. Okay, thank you, Lord. The second group of people I want to pray with is if you are sitting here this morning and you find yourself, maybe you realize this morning only that it's a test of your faithfulness. And you are finding that you are a bit weary and you are a bit tired and you feel like you're on the verge of quitting. I just want to pray for strength for you this morning. I want you to just raise your hand if that is you. If you're just saying, Lord, I just need Holy Spirit power. I need strength. I need you to help me to be faithful. I need you to help me to finish this year strong, to set myself up for next year, to position myself in a place where you want me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for every hand in this place. And Father, I just want to pray right now over every single person that have said, Lord, I am tired, I am weary. And Lord, I just pray through your precious Holy Spirit, would you just blow on every one of them this morning in Jesus' name. Just breathe your Holy Spirit onto them, Lord. Lord, I speak strength. I speak perseverance. I speak boldness and courage into their hearts this morning. Strengthen each one this morning, Lord, through the power of your Spirit. And just receive it from Him this morning. Just see it in the Spirit as He's pouring strength onto you right now. Thank Him just in your seat, Lord. Thank You for Your strength. Thank You for making me strong. The Word says that in His weakness, in our weakness, He is strong. And that the Holy Spirit is our help. He is our comforter. He is our strength. And Lord, I pray that you would just help them, Lord, with the strength that they need in this season. Lord, help us to change our mindsets, Lord, to focus on faithfulness, to focus on your spirit and to do what we need to do in this season, Lord. What you are requiring of us, not what you are requiring for the person next to us. And Lord, I pray that we will arise as a mighty bride of Christ, faithful, with our lamps full of oil, ready for your coming. Ready, Lord, that we will focus ourselves on the things of you, Lord, of the things of your kingdom. 
that we will not be distracted by the things of this world. And Lord, I just bless every person in this place. I bless every marriage. I speak life over every marriage. Lord, I speak life over every parent who is tired this morning. Lord, may you give them supernatural ability and strength. Lord, I pray over every business owner. Lord, this year has been so hard on them especially, on everyone. Lord, I pray for discernment, a new wave of discernment, a new wave of wisdom. Lord, I pray for your gifts to be released over your people. New wisdom for this time of year. New discernment to make the right decisions. And I just thank you, Lord, that in all of it, you are faithful. And that your grace is sufficient for us. And Lord, may your kingdom come in everyone that is here, in their lives, in their relationships, in their businesses. May they see a turnaround. May we see doors open of opportunity. Lord, where they can use their abilities, their God-given abilities to multiply for your kingdom. Lord, I speak favor over those who need favor. I speak blessing. I speak open doors. I speak breakthrough of provision for those who need it. In Jesus' name. Thank you for your love and thank you for your mercy. We love you and we bless your name. In Jesus' name. Amen.